you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the League Podcast. Voted against Josh Freeman as captain. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hendis, and I am joined by a room full of heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. You just did that intro, but then you did it again. I'm confused why you did it a second time. I, I put... Greg, <laughs> I put your name before Mark's. I never do that. Well, that's, so I need to do it again. I think the viewers, the listeners would be okay with that. Do you think subconsciously? I don't think they would, actually. <laughs> subconsciously, you were dissing Mark because he uh, tra- he's a kind of a traitor? Ooh. Why am I a traitor? A wow. bad point. Uh, well, we came up with a little bit of a late start for the podcast today because we came up to Studio 66 during our regular time. And upstairs, Dave Damashek still rolling and mark sessler was a guest on the damashek pod so it was a little off-putting on some level for the atl boys to come upstairs to our podcast and then there's sessler running late with damashek well i mean you know that it's beyond any human's ability to stop him from a show going late (laughs) i have little to do with that but i believe wes joined the show days ago and days before that you joined the show. Wait, that was before we were told specifically by Mr. Damashek that he is planning a fight between his foursome and our foursome. Well, yeah. I'm just wondering what side Sessler is going to be on. This reminds me a little bit of when the Patriots went to the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, Bill Parcells is having phone conversations to take a job <laughs> with the Jets' divided loyalties. We'll let you pick the groceries, Mark. <laughs> hey, um, by the way... K. Rich, we had a, we have new drops at the beginning. We have new intros. Matt Money Smith was nice enough to record. I thought the one we used today was fitting, uh, and we'll get to that in the news. But I thought we did a pretty good job. We got everything Crystal wanted, and she seems to be in a better mood now because we listened to her. K. Rich is so much happier, and <laughs> if you guys can tell, you all were treated to candy this morning. So K. Rich just <laughs> went Ricky Henderson on us. I, know, I love that. <laughs> I love third person K. Rich. K-Rich Rich the uh, We have a big Thursday night game coming up, but we're going to start with the headlines. K-Rich, take it away. 
All right, Bucks head coach Greg Schiano. By the way, in the hot seat or not, I will always have love for my fellow, yes, fellow, Scarlet Knight. All right. Has announced that Mike Glennon will be the starting QB versus the Cards. Well, I guess I'll start, and I will say this is the right move. I mean, it's time to move on from Josh Freeman. Arguably, the time was after last year, and uh, with the season going nowhere and Freeman completing you know, 40% of his passes, let's just turn it over to the rookie and see if he could save the season. I mean, it was inevitable, and I, I find it funny that we probably wrote 70 to 80 stories over the offseason of Shiano promising that I don't know what you guys are talking about. Josh <laughs> Freeman is my quarterback, will be, continue to be my quarterback no matter what. First sign of trouble, and he's gone. But listen, they inherited him. They drafted someone else. That's never a good situation for the sitting quarterback. I think the lesson for me is now Freeman is on the trade block, our uh, Ian Rappaport reports. How quickly the change happens in the NFL? 2010, their quarterback coach said he wouldn't swap Freeman for any other quarterback in the NFL. Hmm. Collinsworth ranked Freeman ahead of Eli Manning and Matt Ryan in his quarterback rankings that year. Freeman was getting some comparisons outrageous though they were to Big Ben as a big hulking quarterback with mobility you couldn't bring down he had a 25 to 6 TD to interception ratio completion percentage over 60 percent was seen as a leader at the time a guy that you want to build your franchise around Mark Dominic and Raheem Morris both made it clear that their number one priority was just making sure we get more weapons for our new leader who was basically the face of the franchise three years later Jets fans are telling me they wouldn't take Freeman over Geno Smith. To me, as a football observer, your antenna should be raised when conventional wisdom on one player vacillates that much in a two- or three-year period. Yeah, he's not as bad, I don't think, as he's played this year, although he has played very poorly. But I I think it's just such a big moment in Shiano's tenure here, and you have to wonder about his future. Certainly Mike Sullivan, the offensive coordinator's future, this is a team – you know, lining up in the wrong spot, a lot of penalties. Mike Williams didn't seem to know what he was doing on the field last week, so it just wasn't Freeman. Do you guys think if this doesn't turn it's hard to imagine Mike Glennon turning this team around at all? I mean, Shiano kind of compared him to, hey, there's some rookie quarterbacks in the playoffs last year. We're, this doesn't mean, you know, we're, we're going to lose. If this season goes really poorly, let's say 2-14, and 3-13, and 13, do you think Shiano could lose his job? Absolutely. I think it's one thing for Freeman after you've already greased the skids for his departure all offseason. It's another thing when a guy like Darrell Rivas, who your owner basically went out and made a trade for, gave him a huge contract, is already unhappy with the head coach. To me, that's a, that's a battle for power that Rivas might win over Shiano. I'll take it a step further. I wouldn't be stunned if, uh, at, if they're 2-9 and nine in November, he gets fired then. I... I mean, I think that he, he lost a lot of his mojo last year. He kind of, you know, as the year went, went along, I know that, you know, taking over initially uh, for the younger era, it kind of worked. But, you know, that discipline act, it doesn't really hold up in the NFL, especially if you don't win. And uh, they're not winning. So you could see where that could lead to a mutiny uh, rather quickly. One more thing on Glennon. Uh, Jason Smith, who was in the studio before, he said Bucky Brooks. 
um, who is our one of our draft poobas. He said that Shiano was a big fan of Glenn, and he recruited him. He didn't go to Rutgers, but he recruited him, and uh, they're going to push the ball downfield. It's likely they'll push the ball downfield. Uh, with Glennon, and he's going to take some chances. So d- don't expect any handcuff uh, situations for this offense, and maybe this will be good news for Vincent Jackson. It just seems so random, though. I mean, if, if Levante David doesn't have that penalty, Josh Freeman's probably the quarterback, right? I mean, they're not going to replace yeah. him. Well, right, the move happens sooner because the fact that the Bucks are 0-3. I think no team in the history of the NFL had lost two games in the last, what was it, five seconds of, or something like that they did in a row. And I think that Freeman's, you know, cord was real tight to begin with. They don't believe in him. And, I mean, it's hard to look at what he did this season and really argue with that. But I don't think Shiano's going to be gone this season. After the season, sure. Yeah, maybe I'm in the minority, but I don't think Shiano it would be in too much trouble, almost no matter how bad this season goes. That's just my read on kind of what they're buying into, the Shiano program. I think the first fall guy after Freeman then would be Mike Sullivan, and the next one might be Mark Dominic, the general manager. He's the one that's picked all these players. He's been around there longer, and I, this is just a total guess, but I, I think Shiano might have a better chance of, of sticking around than all of them. And it wouldn't shock me either if they turn this thing around a little bit and win some games and at least make it respectable because it's a great defense. All right, K-Rich, what else is in the news? All right, next up, Vikings quarterback Christian Ponder reveals his rib injury. I personally am wondering who's more affected, Leslie Frazier or Samantha Ponder? That's another podcast. At what? (laughs) Yeah, at what, K-Rich? That's another podcast. Ah, all right. Okay, well, all right. Well, here we go. What do you guys think? Could we see Matt Castle this week? Tom Brady in his press conference kind (laughs) of hinted at the fact that maybe Matt Castle was starting this week. It sounded like maybe he had a conversation with Castle and that they were talking about Castle getting on, on the field. You had said before the season, didn't you? Uh, you had asked us the over-under of when we'll see Castle. I said six games. I didn't factor injury into it, though. Right. To be fair. Maybe they'll go after Josh Freeman. Is that at all possible? I, I don't think it's over for Freeman by any stretch, and I think he certainly showed enough. It's not like Sanchez where I, I think he, the well is so poisoned at this point that it would be very difficult for him to walk into another starting job. I feel like... Freeman, if a team bought in, he could have a chance to to re- salvage his career here. But uh, I don't know. This front office does have a history of making desperation plays for veteran quarterbacks who washed out in other places. Who would you be uh, referring to? <laughs> Brett Favre, Donovan McNabb. To me, the the most similar situation <laughs> is McNabb's. In 2011, McNabb had a $10 million bonus coming which couldn't be written off. It had to be that the team acquiring him had to find a way to satisfy McNabb's financial demands and satisfy the other team's draft pick compensation. That's a similar situation to now. Well, I would say the difference, though, is that McNabb, for better or worse, came with some sort of a pedigree. Where with Freeman, honestly, if a team wants to make a change at quarterback and bring Freeman in beyond the salary and the ponderous you know, contract situation there... He's not a guy that you can put into a new offense and roll out on Sunday, where I think you could with Favre and you could with McNabb to some degree. I think Freeman needs a full offseason to develop and be coached well on another team before we roll him out again as another starter. And in Minnesota, I mean, for me, with the Ponder and the Castle thing, what's the difference between the two? Well, you would hope, if you're the Vikings, you would hope there is a difference because otherwise a journeyman at this point 
backup quarterback that you're not paying that much money is just as good as your supposed franchise quarterback. You're coming from the vantage point that you've already given up on Christian Ponder as a franchise quarterback. I don't know if they're there as an organization yet. If they are, it's a it's a bad place to be. And I don't think they would go get Freeman because he's due so much money, and they probably figure what's the difference between him and Matt Castle, anyways. And uh, while we, you know, while we're here, we're, if we're going to mention Brett Favre, we got to mention what his agent, Buss Cook, said yesterday. Um, I almost feel like it'd be nice to have some romantic uh, R&B music behind this. <laughs> um, his arms look like a blacksmith's arms. He rides a bike probably 30 to 50 miles a day. He runs four or five miles a day. He's coaching at the high school, and they're undefeated. He loves it. His body fat is 7.5%, and he weighs 225 pounds. He could play today better than a lot of them out there today. I feel like he just boiled down the script of Forrest Gump into two sentences. (laughs) I I like that Buzz Cook is old enough. He was alive when there were blacksmiths around. (laughs) I don't know, but I want blacksmith's arms. And honestly, what is the dynamic of this Cook-Farve relationship in 2013 to know all this information about him? His exact body fat percentage? Listen, Favre is a... He is a working farmer at this point. And... You know, for those of us that have just had desk jobs for the last 20 years, a working farmer has a lot of natural strength. <laughs> Wait, he works on one of those bicycle farms? Well, no, he, he is bikes a 30 long, to 50 he miles a day around his farmland, I'm assuming. <laughs> I might take him over. You were I might take him over Ponder though. I think he's I far. Would. <laughs> to be to, I would. from the description that Cook's g- giving it, he has to be doing like the rocky training montage in Russia every day to, to have this type of build for, what is he, 44 it's like, uh, at this point? bench-pressing railroad ties? Yeah, like climbing a mountain and maybe yelling ponder or something. The, the thing, the last lungs. time we saw Favre, and it was on some television segment like a couple months ago, he's like a, a, a exiting president. Like his hair turns <laughs> snow white, and he suddenly <laughs> aged like eight years. Like a gymnast body after she leaves gymnastics behind. Here's the question <laughs> I pose to you. You don't have to cover the game. You don't have to worry about the pregame hype. Yeah. Or the post-game fallout, you don't have to have a take. Are you taking Brett Favre over Andy Dalton to quarterback the Bengals' offense? Yes. With, yes. <laughs> over just to pump, watch or just, to win a game? Just to, fun to watch. Just to watch. Because Andy Dalton's the, maybe the most boring quarterback to watch in the last 20 years. Agreed. And yeah, but I would take Achilles Smith over Andy Dalton, too, just because it would be comical. <laughs> it would be a train wreck. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be like a watching carnies. The old gunslinger. Well, Favre, you're talking about Favre, who has that thing to him, that factor. A bu- a bu- a there's a bunch of guys that do not have that in the NFL right now. Right. Oh. And by the way, uh, Greg's uh, QB buzz index, is that what it's called? Q- quarterback index. Quarterback index is presented by Wrangler. So oh, read into that however you might. That might be a hint coming of its together. Own. Hey, K. Rich, anything else in the news? Yes, we sure do have more. After a huge upset win over the Vikings in week three, I'm not at all surprised by this news. Ryan Hoyer will start again for the Browns in week four against the Bengals. Mark? Well, Whedon is injured in theory. He's injured. To- yeah. In He's totality. Out, supposedly. In theory. I don't. I, again, <laughs> I stick with the fact, the idea, not the fact that we will not see Whedon again this season. Did you, did you see the last Batman movie, Dark Knight Returns? Maybe. At one point, Bane, Bane defeats Batman, and then he puts him in this like cave where other prisoners are kept. Oh, and then I've you seen have to, that like, part, yeah. Climb out of the cave. I, I feel like Whedon might be somewhere <laughs> beneath Berea, 
in one of those death rattle caves. <laughs> he's, with, he's with Charlie the Fry way. down there. I think that's where he's been. <laughs> yes. Is that not how you pronounce it? That is Berea, I believe. Well, who knows? The other news today Cheers. in Cleveland was, you know, Chudzinski, or Josh Gordon said that Rob Chudzinski told them that they will not be trading him. If, if they did trade Josh Gordon after that performance last week, like, do you, would you support that? A, a no, because I honestly would say that that, that would, it, as, a, as you remove everything else as a fan, that would anger me where the Richardson deal did not anger me. If you start, if you shop away Gordon, it's like th- this is a genuine. They haven't had a receiver like that in decades, and you know what? You're not going to get what you should get for him in a trade because he's one bad test away from being gone for a year. So they'd have to shop him low, and that would f- that would make me upset. Yes, people think of him as a deep threat, but he was pretty good last week after the catch. Well, they used him all, the, all until over the place. Marcus Sherrill shut him down. Oh, stop. He, he did. He made some plays in the <laughs> yeah. second half. You can't stop Hoyer. It was like eight. Cheryl's was good. Cheryl's played a great game. One thing that got lost in Hoyer's game was that he had. there was a stretch where they had eight possessions with no points and three interceptions. Well, that's Brown's football, Greg. <laughs> he <laughs> he's rallied just, he's for just, the win. He's being he a company he man with that part. He made some nice throws on the last drive. Anything else in the news, K-Rich? That's it, boys. All right. Thank you very much, K-Rich. All right. Moving right along. We talked about the fine people at Wrangler. Oh, with their nice blue jeans. So well cut. They have presented ATL, the quarterback index, Greg's running series this season. Uh, Greg uh, released his ra- his latest edition today on the Around the League blog. Uh, we implore you check it out. Uh, so, Greg, do you want to tell us a little bit about your thinking? I mean, you rank, what do you have here? You rank the top 10 quarterbacks? Yeah, it's about 10 and then a few that are close. And this week I just kind of switched it to just – you know, radium on this season alone. So Tom Brady's not there because he's not playing that well yet this season. It's not a legacy thing. And and the guy that I struggled the most with was Philip Rivers because I watched every throw the last two weeks that he made, and I think there's only one or two bad ones. I don't know how many quarterbacks are playing better than Philip Rivers this, right now. This is Greg's top five. Peyton Manning, which no one's going to argue with. Aaron Rodgers, no one should argue with. Philip Rivers at number three, which should be argued with, then Drew Drew Brees, <laughs> and then perhaps surprisingly Matt Ryan at number five. I I will take umbrage with Philip Rivers. You know I am very anti-Chargers this year after what happened in Week One with my hero pick being torn asunder. But I will reference that Week One game. Yes, he's been on balance. It's been a big bounce back season for Philip Rivers. But I do remember him throwing around a lot of those Rivers ground balls in the first half. In the second half of that game, and if we're only basing this on th- three games, and he blew one of them or helped bl- blow one of them, and they've lost two of three games, how is he number three on this list? Well, the only interception in that game was an exceptional play from Cushing. He had a bad half. You can go through all these guys, and they all had a bad half. And other except than for that, Peyton Manning. yeah, except for Peyton Manning, <laughs> Rodgers had an uneven game against Cincinnati too. I did think about that. They've all had mild ups and downs, but other than that, I think Philip Rivers played five of the best halves that you'll ever see. The game against the Titans, I couldn't believe when I watched. I mean, he was just so accurate. He really didn't have a bad throw the whole game. It was infuriating that they ran the ball like crazy at the end. They ended up running the ball more than they threw. That's the only reason they lost. And he fits fitting balls into pretty tight windows. I just don't think you can play too much better than he's played so far. I admire the purity of your list. That you would actually put Philip Rivers over Drew Brees just based on what's happened this year and totally wash out what's happened in the past. I admire that. Well, and I think that's people are going <laughs> to look at this. Compliment? 
they're going to bounce as soon as they see Rivers ranked three at anything. But you, you, you made it basically on what you've seen from the start of the season. Right? I set it up. I and set it up. I watched the Titans-Chargers game yesterday, and he is a completely different dude than he was the last two years. And for me, just as a like from an angle of a guy that was so trashed over the last two seasons, he's never he's always been a tough quarterback. He's never been a guy that's made excuses. I like to see him return to form to some degree, and I don't think it's a sham. I think he's well coached this season. Yeah, it was, if it was a ranking of who I'd want the rest of the season or a prediction of how it all will he stay at this level? I don't know. That'll be that'll be pretty tough. The list would look pretty different. But I I knew this would maybe get some criticism. So I did I do check kind of the advanced metric sites after I put it together. You know, ESPN's QBR, Football Outsiders, Pro Football Focus, they all had Rivers number two actually in the league according to their, their metrics. And usually there's a huge disparity. So it was interesting. They all had Manning one Rivers two. Uh, he's been great. What quarterbacks have surprised you guys the most this year? I want to say you have this guy listed in your same level. If it wasn't for one play at the end of week one, and basically one play at the end of week three, Matt Ryan would be behind Peyton Manning on everyone's MVP list. And it's amazing considering he's doing it basically with only Julio Jones. His offensive line is much worse this year. Roddy White's had the high ankle sprain. Gonzalez has basically disappeared, whether it's because he's a step slower or because he's staying in the block too much to help out on the line. I'm not sure. But Ryan is doing this on his own, and his his stats are the exact same as last year when he had all of that going for him. I think he just deserves a little bit of uh, praise there for how well he's playing. That's why you can't look at one, one loss. I mean, I think he's played better than he did a year ago, and they're one and two while the team around him is crumbling. He's being asked to do more. I think for me, you know, not all surprises are good. And uh, for me, Cam Newton, I just, uh, I'm not quite sure. I'm starting to question what the future of Cam Newton in Carolina is to some degree. Wait, he mm. just won 38 nothing. I understand, and I think, that fr- I think from the outside it's, oh, you're right, he played his best game. But Carolina scrapped everything they planned to do with him over the offseason and went back to what he was last year, which was a running quarterback. And I think the concern, based on you know what Gettleman said in the offseason a little bit, is we don't want a running quarterback. We want to find out if Cam Newton like the rest of your pure drop-pack quarterbacks, can be that guy. And, and I can I see he's one of the most skilled athletic quarterbacks in all of football in, in, in ages. But when they've asked him like they did in the last couple of weeks just to, just to make those throws, having watched all three Panthers games, he can't do it. I, I still think the Panthers don't have a Cam Newton problem. They, I think they have, A, a Ron Rivera problem and be a personnel problem. And I think he's going to, if they stink again this year, he's going to get buried, Newton, and he'll still be with the team next year, but it will be, you know, the referendum will be out that this could be the end for Newton, Carolina next year. Um, But I still think that's unfair. I mean, he doesn't have a a real team around him. I think, you know, it's good. It's good what we're seeing from D'Angelo Williams at running back. And, you know, he should be getting the ball more. That helps that offense. But, you know, he was able to complete passes, Newton, against the Giants team that is in utter chaos right now. But he's still throwing to a bunch of Arena Football League players. I have no issue with the idea. Of course he's going to be there next year. But in terms of building a team around a guy for the next six, seven years, 
he is not a complete quarterback in terms of his passing game from what I've seen. I just don't think he is. But it's hard to I find a quarterback. It's hard it to is. find a quarterback. And even at this level that he's at, which is a little up and down, he's better than half the league. I'm just saying he what, surprises me because I wanted to see more at this stage. What we'll be telling is who is his, who they bring in as his next offensive coach because I, I agree with you. <laughs> We're already firing Mike Sula. I think, well, to Dan's point, he, Newton's going to be there longer than his coaching staff will. Right. And to your point, Gettleman comes from the Ernie Accorsi school, the the classical prototype drop-back quarterback, not this new school. Where, And just reading the tea leaves, I think you're right. They don't want Cam Newton running that much. They don't want, they don't want to rely on the run option. Well, you know what's crazy in that game? They won 38 nothing. He missed six or seven throws by 10 yards. And he did that in week two, and right. he did that in week one. It happens. I mean, he's not an accurate quarterback. I don't know if that's something you can He's teach. a lot like Josh Freeman. But when he throws it pretty, it's pretty. Yeah. Yes. Um, one thing I want to bring up about the quarterback. All right, let me lay something out for you fellas, and maybe we can go around and you could each give me your opinion. If you had to pick uh, between – this list of quarterbacks, who would you have as your quarterback? Terrell Pryor, Geno Smith, E.J. Manuel. You have three weeks of game ta- tape to look at uh, for each of them. This is for forever or for this week? Uh, for the balance of the 2013 season. Uh, no, forever. Give me E.J. Manuel. <laughs> Why? I think he's the best all-around player in that group. I think he's coached the best. We get their coaching staff too. <laughs> no, it's your own coaching staff, and you are the brainchild behind it. Mark can be your GM. He's really good at picking the player. He's making the leap. He's on fire. <laughs> All his guys have been fantastic. But I guess Wes is making the major decision that I would make as a front office guy. So, <laughs> so go with it. All right, EJ Manuel. The two most physically gifted of those three are EJ Manuel and Terrell Pryor. Manuel's a better passer than Pryor. He, he doesn't have as much fundamentals to work on as prior, so I'll take him. Mark? It's an interesting trio for sure. Um, it is. That's why I brought it up. Thank you, Dan. I would go manual as well. If I'm going to center an organization around one of those three guys, EJ. I will. Let me just say this before we get to Greg. Is uh, Manuel had that great game in Week 2 or the game-winning drive. Uh, the Jets' defense, which we know is actually pretty good, gave him the yips. He he was not he never got comfortable, and he made a lot of bad passes, and he took eight sacks. So I just I just want to throw that. Well, out Well, he's there. faced. I think New England has an underrated defense. Okay. He then played Carolina and the Jets, two of the better front sevens in football. So fair. you're right. He's had a tough out of the gate situation in terms of who he's played. Greg. Well, after a couple games, that's tough. I would take E.J. Manuel, too, because I liked him better coming out uh, than Geno Smith, and there's nothing that would change my mind. Terrell Pryor is exciting, and I think he can be better than we ever imagined. I think he already is. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was thinking that watching the other night. Man, I never thought Terrell Pryor would be starting Monday night football games and looking halfway decent, and he's doing it. I mean, he's exciting. But I think Manuel has more going for him than Geno Smith, at least I think that can make him special. What about you, Dan? Uh... Come on, we know. Yeah, I'm going to, you know what? I'm a little excited about Geno Smith. And, uh, yeah, maybe it's because of my leanings as a fan. But he's going to make mistakes. We knew this. I still think they brought him on too early. I thought he should have be, been eased into the mix. But the guy can make some throws. And in that, in that game, to beat the Bills, um, that was a throw. The throw that won the game. Everything was falling apart. They were up 26, the Jets. They commit 20 penalties in the game. They're, it's now a 20-20 game. 
Smith uh, hangs in the pocket and delivers a perfect strike to uh, Santonio Holmes to win that game. Earlier in the game, there was even a better pass where he had pressure right in his face, took a nasty shot, and put one right on the money to Stephen Hill, who miraculously caught the ball and ran it in for another long touchdown. The guy's got a, a, a much better arm than Jets fans are accustomed to with Sanchez, and uh, he, he hangs in the pocket. And if he can just get over some of these other typical rookie issues, such as awareness issues and uh, you know throwing the ball when he shouldn't, uh, he has a chance. He has a chance here. I'm I'm surprised a little bit that he's looked as good as he has through three weeks, which hasn't been great, admittedly. But he's shown things. I don't want to kill the child and the man here, but <laughs> every fan of every team, every fan of every team with a young quarterback who flashes on occasion says the exact same thing. Look at this one throw he made. I said two. All right. How young do they have to be? I don't think Texans fans were ever that excited about Matt Schaub. Oh, Bills. Bills. (laughs) He's always seemed 38 years old to me. Bills fans did this with J.P. Lossman. Redskins fans did it with Patrick Ramsey. Well, Bucks fans did it with Josh Freeman. Isn't Freeman a great example of uh, how we over and underreact? Sean King, and now you've brought up all three Tulane starting quarterbacks that have struggled (laughs) in the last decade. Why are you going to do that? I got to hate on Tulane. There was also once a time, once upon a time last fall where Seahawks fans got excited about Russell Wilson. Touche. <laughs> Listen, from a Jets fan perspective, <laughs> I think Geno Smith has brought so much more life to that offense than what they had under Sanchez. And it's not a to pick Manuel's not a knock on Geno because you know there's it may be not a coincidence that some of the wide receivers are starting to play better. Right. They got a quarterback that isn't scared to push the ball downfield and get it to him. And and the Jets that have done everything you could do wrong in handling a quarterback situation over the last couple of years, I think they might have got this right, gotten this right ultimately because, uh, you know, you have a guy that you're trying to build around and he's making plays. We'll be with you when that probably doesn't happen. <laughs> I know. We'll be with you. I know. Just I'll be there listen. to light the tires on fire. Listen, we're ready for this. Jets fans are always ready for the other shit. Can we talk about one more quarterback before we move yeah, on? Yeah, go ahead, Wes. So RG3 you know, I think I feel like Redskins fans after the first week, and even after the second week, there came a point where where there was this desperation cry of, is, "Are we ever going to see the guy we saw last year? Like, is he ruined for good? He's not passing well. He's passing off the wrong foot. He's not moving well." I think this week, for the first time in week three, I, when I watched him, I thought, "Okay, he's coming back. He's on his way back. He made major strides. He's not who he was." I'm not sure he has that athletic arrogance yet where he thinks he can get out of the pocket. That slide he did with two feet was embarrassing. There are some rough edges to him still, but I feel like within a month or two we're going to see the the RG3 we saw last year. There was a play against the Lions where he basically, there was nothing downfield, and he just had to put that ball in and run. He basically ran out of bounds, caught a couple yards. He looked comfortable. For the first time I've seen him just have to make a decision React quickly. And I think part of it is you haven't played. You have no preseason. It's reaction time. It's decision-making. He he did look improved to me, too. Well, it's funny. All week, all we heard is, are they going to run more? Are they going to run more read option pistol? And they did it a ton. And it was pretty effective. And they threw the ball down the field, which they hadn't really done in the first couple weeks. I agree. I think he's steadily gotten better. The week two game, he made some throws, too. And after watching that game, I I think you have to feel pretty good that he's going to be close to where he was soon. And if you're a depressed Redskins fan, uh, I guess one thing you could perhaps take out of these first three weeks is that expectations are now maybe properly calibrated where you have this guy coming off a major surgery and it's not going to happen instantly. And now you, you, don't, you can now go into the rest of the season 
uh, understanding that it's not going to be like last year. It's going to take some time. That's all I can give you, Redskins fans. Yeah, but I don't know about the expectations for this team being properly calibrated. I think Redskins fans, including some downstairs, had convinced themselves this was a good team. I don't think it was ever that good a team. I think it was just RG3, a good scheme, and Alfred Morris, and that's about it. And now that's being exposed. Okay, so let's move on to week four. How about that? We're already in week four now. It's kind of weird. You're going to be an old man soon. <laughs> Prediction, next week, week five. Wow. <laughs> let's not get ahead of Way ourselves Way to go out on a limb. Uh, week four kicks off on Thursday night. The suddenly struggling San Francisco 49ers heading to St. Louis. I believe, Wes, because I know you love this, I believe it is the Edward James Dome to take on the <laughs> Rams. Uh, this is obviously a, uh, a pretty interesting game of NFC West teams, both needing a win pretty bad. What do you guys think about this? I would just like to say Edward James is a human being, or was a human being. I'm not sure who he is. But the stadium was named after him for a reason. He didn't have to purchase it, so I care about that. Well, actually, it, actually, it's Edward Jones. Yeah, um, Edward Jones is like a... And I think uh, that is a corporation. It's a financial... Oh, it's, a it's, it's like a, it's a 401k outfit oh, type well, thing. He, probably, he could probably high, have bought this dome if he wanted to. Megacorp. Edward, if you're Strike listening... Strike that from the record. We don't like you. Can we call it the Edward R. Murrow Dome? Uh, we cannot, unfortunately, uh. without facing litigation. Here are two other young quarterbacks. We're talking about the quarterback struggling. What, what do we think of Kaepernick's struggles the last couple of weeks? Well, you wrote about this. Let me flip the question back to you. What's wrong with the San Francisco 49ers? I know what I think. I don't, I don't care about that. Um, well, I think they can't get open against man coverage, so that's a problem. They're stacking the box. They still ran the ball okay last week. Their teams are they're not using the read option much, but when they do, they're defending it much better. One thing I noticed, you know, if, if RG3 was caught like Kaepernick was on runs, people would be saying, oh, he doesn't look good. I mean, there were some good angles taken and the Colts defenders really uh, stopping Kaepernick and reading the plays very well. He's missed more throws than we're used to. You know, there's a lot that's wrong with this team right now. They're they're missing their best players. The defense isn't really that big a difference maker anymore. Don't you think that the league as a whole is defending the read option much better? Yeah. Yes. I do. You see a lot of the linebackers kind of coming in behind. They let the defensive end crash down, and then the linebacker comes and stops it. It hasn't been that big a factor this season. I agree. Well, there was actually a play that Patrick showed me where uh, it, it was the Panthers-Giants where they rolled out essentially like a triple option. And JPP, and remember that Giants-Redskins game from a year ago where the Giants on national television were just embarrassed against read option coming out of the pistol and stuff. They actually defended, JPP defended this play perfectly. He, he reacted quickly, looked at the runner, looked at the passer, made a good decision. Carolina still had some success, but it was like a completely different situation on defense they've obviously they've caught up to some degree and may i remind you guys of uh we were talking about the thursday night game <laughs> yes <laughs> may I, yeah may i remind you guys of this soundbite can you heck yeah you can <laughs> you know? san francisco 49ers we can do whatever we want <laughs> that was on august 30th that harbaugh said that i remember i believe it was me that said pride comes before the fall and I'll tell you what, there are some signs here that this season could come apart. It's all out there now. You have injuries all over the rosters. Greg wrote in his post, not only injuries, but injuries to star players. 
you have p- possible dissension. Frank Gore denied it, but they were he had some words for Harbaugh. You have these losses. You have Kaepernick not playing well. Hold on. Uh, things, hold, hold on. The Gore thing can happen. Hold on. Pride comes you know, before the fall. All right. Last year, what the Patriots were one and two, went on to the championship game. The Broncos, I think, were two and three before they rattled off the rest of their wins. I, you know, it's it's week four. Correct. But this I'm is not a big week four co- game. Would you it, argue abs- that? If they go to one and three in the division... Well, this is a must-win game for them because if they go one, one and three and you've got Seattle taking off, that's ugly. But I do think they're going to take care of business. I have a feeling. That's all. You're allowed to have feelings. Things <laughs> fall apart. The center cannot hold. <laughs> they have given up uh, more rushing yards in consecutive games than any Niners team since Dennis Erickson was the coach of an ugly, ugly 2-14 and 14 squad, which had the worst offense of my lifetime. Uh, and, you know, I did, the defense isn't really doing that well. The Rams don't have kind of a rushing game to stop them. We expected this Rams defense to be good, but it really hasn't been. I mean, Cortland Finnegan's getting burned. I don't know what's happened to him in that secondary. Do we, do we like the 49ers to bounce back? I mean, the Rams gave them a lot of trouble last year. They beat them and they tied them. The only thing this Rams defense is doing well right now is rushing the passer. Mm-hmm. They are getting fried in the secondary, and DeMarco Murray was running through huge holes last week. And it was it was weird. Like, the Rams' defensive line wasn't getting blown off the ball. They just couldn't get off blocks. That will be one thing to watch also is, you know, you had the Frank Gore. He only had, he only had 12 carries, I believe, last week. So you know San Francisco is going to want to get him the ball early and often. And the Rams, who got destroyed by DeMarco last week, we'll have to see how they bounce back. I think that will be a major factor in this game. I think you could also see in that game – DeMarco Murray's holes were huge because they were so worried about Des Bryant. Right, and you're not worried about anyone. You're not worried about Anquan Bolden. You're certainly not worried about Kyle Williams as their number two receiver. He has 87 yards. Their number three wide receiver on the year in terms of production is Marlon Moore with one catch and six yards. You know, the Niners have had to play Green Bay in Seattle, possibly an NFC title game situation right there, and a Colts team that frankly showed up and, and played a much more physical football than we would have thought they would and is also potentially a playoff team. Tough schedule out of the gate. What I'm disappointed in on the Rams side is I, I think we, we were sold this message that this offense is going to be laden with so many weapons. We're going to put all these guys in space and no one's going to know what to do. It's really depressing watching what's happened with this group of wide receivers. Uh, Tavon Austin, number one, I'll start right there. They seem, they seem to have no idea how to get him open downfield beyond five or six yards. You know, he's a return guy at this point that is going to get you about 30 yards a game from the slot. Right. I, I'm wondering, is this a game that will change that? I, I just, I've just kind of stopped waiting. Do you waiting. believe in Brian Schottenheimer? Well, you know that I don't, but I think, honestly, <laughs> he is, he, you talk about when, what teams are going to need to reassess who's running their offenses. Schottenheimer is working himself into a bad corner here. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Are they also going to have to reassess Sam Bradford, who just hasn't gotten any better since his rookie year? I think he's right in the middle of it. He's not a difference maker at quarterback. He, he checked down the whole game last week. I, I remember I was doing a radio thing in St. Louis this summer, and there, the big storyline there, it's, it's the make-or-break year for Sam Bradford. My answer was, I don't think it is, because the most likely scenario is he's just kind of a little better than last year, and then what do you do? Because you kind of you don't really have a top-tier quarterback. You just have a guy that 
that you think should be the number one quarterback, but doesn't really look like a number one quarterback. Why don't we? Yeah. Why don't we open this up a little bit? Why don't we get the ball to Chris Givens downfield? Why don't we design some plays to get this explosive Tavon Austin going? There should be there. They they should be able to be making plays. Jared Checking Cook. Down. You have Jared Cook. There. We Jared shouldn't Cook see all these checkdowns. We were given a lot of credit to them for Jared Cook's week one, and then he disappeared the last couple well, weeks. Well, I would just say this. If you have Game Rewind real quick, and you have that search function, go look at their game from last week against the Cowboys. Type in T. Period Austin and look at his receptions, and, and not what he did after the catch because the Cowboys were all over him. Look at the routes he ran, and look what Bradford did with it. That's the problem with their offense, not just with Austin, but what we're doing with all their supposed weapons are not being used correctly. Although, not to get too hung up on Austin, one thing I will say is, you know, we were told, we were sold anyway, that Austin was get the ball in his hands and everything else is, you know, taken care of. There, you know, he had six catches this past Sunday and he averaged five yards at reception. So, you know, maybe he's the, not the where he needs to be The issue with guys like either. Austin, yeah. and there are a lot of guys like this in the NFL, Chris Johnson, you have to get them the ball in space because they have no power whatsoever. They're not going to run anybody over. You have to create, manufacture the space for them to thrive in. He's catching the ball, and the tackler's already there. So that's why. I mean, there was a couple plays. They threw it to him behind the line of scrimmage, and the tackler's just there. There's not not much you can do. Okay, why don't we go around and and pick this game and then get out of here? Greg, who do you got? I am taking the Niners on the road. Didn't beat the Rams last year, but I just still believe in this team enough that they're not going to go to one and three. Cecily. I picked the Rams as a wild card team and I'm starting to wonder if that was an ill choice. I'm going <laughs> Niners. <laughs> Wes. I picked the 49ers because uh, I don't like anything I've seen from the Rams in the last two weeks. They've been down 24 to nothing two weeks in a row and I'm I'm the kind of guy who falls for it when, Ar- when Harbaugh says I'm looking forward to taking on adversity <laughs> and whipping it. Hmm. I will take the Rams. I think that this is a short week. They're at home. They're catching the Niners at a great time. Uh, I, I just have a feeling about this, and I also hopefully Patcher doesn't agree because this would be a potential hero pick for me, which I have two so far this season, which is almost my total from last season. <laughs> so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Niners will continue to struggle, um, and the Rams will take it. Hey, when you got Isaiah Peed running the ball, <laughs> uh, why not? The sun is shining. Um, all right, everybody. So that is that is it for today's podcast. We'll be back on Friday. We will go over all of the week four picks. Um, what else? Oh, we're, ooh, we have a special guest. Should we say who it is? Should we no, let no, the people no. know? Okay, it's a special guest, and it's gonna we're gonna from another country, from another hemisphere, bro. <laughs> Wait, are, is that true? True story. It's not a different hemisphere. It's not it's a different hemisphere. hemisphere. What do you mean? It's the same hemisphere. That's the Western Hemisphere. It is a different country, though. Dan just had his, like, Dan Quayle (laughs) moment there. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I would say take it out, but I deserve the punishment. That's great. All right. Whatever, guys. You guys are so smart. The jerks. Um, All right. So, we, yeah, we will have someone in the same hemisphere as us, but a a different time zone. That is correct. So deal with the that left hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, until until then, uh, signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, K. Rich behind the glass, and Lyle the intern. We will see you on Friday.
I want to be able to, to, to live and also want to be able to eat it. We can work there and eat pants. Let's get Greg's wife involved. Let's make a little three-course meal. We'll have it marinated in the Now soup. I'm actually we'll pulling for the Raiders. I feel like your wife could do wonders with these we'll pants. We'll have to really broil, boil the uh, zipper a lot because that's going to be tough to do. <laughs> <laughs> zipper. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.